0: back to the dark side I'm your host Brianna
1: It me It me who you It me
0: who you um,
1: uh, My name Jeff
0: this is Dark adaptation. Early days, and I'd say, uh, What would I say? I would say, This is Dark Adaptation or something, and I'm your host, and you would just go, Oh, I said, This is Dyson. And you'd go, Hi. Hi. That took me a long time to get there. I was trying to think about what it, (laughs) how it went, but it was so long ago. But I I think I'd say, I'm your host, Brianna, and Dyson's here. Hi. 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 (laughs) That was so long ago. In the early days
1: We were just little babies
0: Babies
1: Just innocent men
0: Baby <laughs> Baby
1: Oh my god no more Barbarian reference
0: I love that woman oh. I feel bad for her Has yeah. anyone listening has seen Barbarian? movie that has like Justin Long I don't know that main actress's name She was really good It's oh. got uh, Pennywise Bill Skarsgård It's a really good movie. I liked it. There's a creepy old woman that lives in the basement. And uh, I liked her. I felt bad for her.
1: Yeah. I was really happy when I found out that that movie, the whatever was going to be in the fucking house, in the walls and shit, which I'm not giving anything away that was in the fucking trailer shit. Don't at me or whatever.
0: But Also, that movie came out like a year ago. So sorry.
1: I know. But I'm also one of those people who watches shit way too late. I've never even seen Sixth Sense.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: But like wow,
0: one of like the few good Shyamalan movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: When he has a good movie, it's good. Yeah. But for the most part, like you're signs. like, oh, Signs is
1: pretty solid if you don't look signs too close favorite. at it. Yeah, it's my favorite. No, too. Signs is
0: my favorite. Like, no, Signs is my favorite. No. <laughs>
1: yeah. But like, I love
0: The Village too. It's okay.
1: I just, I just thought like Signs you can't look too close at it because at the end of the day you realize like. These aliens tried to invade a planet that's like seventy five percent water. Plus, and can't open doors. That's
0: not. That's the aliens' fault. Yeah. They're stupid. Anyway, <laughs> they're, they're just dumb.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it gave us scary movie three, so you know it's it's in the good books.
0: What were you gonna say though?
1: Uh, I like that the thing in the walls was like actually not like a just a weird looking human. It was legitimately fucking terrifying large fucking monster i agree and they did a good job with it from lighting to which i thought the lighting sold the shit out of that movie anyway we are not here for this shit
0: no i just wanted to go baby which is what the woman in barbarian does and it's funny to me yeah back (laughs) in the day when we were babies and we were saying uh i'm brianna this is dyson hi and this is the longest intro ever, saying literally nothing. Mm. So, um, how about we just... Uh... Jump into it. Yeah, I got uh, got two things to say here. It's uh, part two mm-hmm. of The Crimes of Dellen Millard. Dellen. So, the first thing I have to say is that this is going to be our longest series yet. Yeah. I'm thinking that this could be five
1: parts. Oh. Yes. Holy shit.
0: And that's like, I haven't even done researching yet. So like, I don't know, five seems like what it will end up being. And the second note that I was going to say, the second thing I'm going to talk about here has nothing to do with this case. I just wanted to mention it. It's about uh, the like ongoing sort of miniseries that we've introduced, which is Missing, Murdered, Mysterious. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were doing that weekly. Yeah. But it's just too much to do proper research on because I can't do anything half ass. I have to take my time, spend my time with the cases, and I can't write actually good episodes that fast.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of work just for the well, for the one that you're doing now is
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm still amazed you can do it in a week. <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Like it's it's brutal to to go through if, if you're not good at it and you're good at it. Like um, But yeah, and then you had another one on top of that. Yeah, the other one,
0: our Thursday one, The Missing, Murdered, Mysterious, is something that I've wanted to do for a while. And I want to make sure that I'm doing it right and giving it the attention. And bi-weekly will just be better. It'll be a better format. It'll be easier. And
1: You won't have a stressed out host. Yeah. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, just someone who knows the material and it's... Not rushed or something, you know. Very concise. Like, oh my goodness, how many episodes have we done? Like, pretty much 80 episodes. Like, you guys know me by now. Yeah. You know the kind of episodes that I want to write. So Missing, missing, Martyred, Mysterious is going to be bi-weekly on Thursdays. That's our sort of ongoing segment that we've introduced where we talk about BIPOC cases. Uh, so that's Black, Indigenous, and People of Color cases that are for missing people or murdered people. Um, under, you know, mysterious circumstances, it's classified as a death typically, and it's more of a murder. Mm -hmm. Anyway, those are on Thursdays. Just wanted to say it's going to be bi-weekly. It was originally weekly. Can't do it. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay. So it's part two of the crimes of Dylan Millard. And I know you're all waiting to hear what happens next in this wild saga. So let's dive in by starting with a recap of part one. Okay. Uh, you know, just we just throughout this series we're going to talk about so much, so recaps are important. <laughs> huh. In May 2013, Tim Bosma was trying to sell his muddy pit of a truck, that diesel Dodge 3500. On May 6th, a guy called him asking to check it out that night. Said guy ended up being Dylan Millard who showed up with some weirdo, sketchy guy in a red hoodie that, as of last week's episode, police were still trying to identify. They showed up on foot in a sem- semi-rural area, which was immediately suspicious to Tim's wife, Charlene. Mm-hmm. Tim, Dylan, and Hoodie go for a test drive around 9.30 p.m., but Tim never returns. Charlene reports him missing. Hamilton Police Service Act immediately by deploying a canine unit and a search and rescue team for ground searches. They also got to work tracking the phone number that called Tim for the test drive, where they learned that it was a burner phone. And this burner phone had also called other people. And Dallin was arranging test drives of similar trucks with other people. Because a burner phone was Dallin's. And these other people included that built-like concrete ex-military guy, Igor Tuminenko, who is the one that noticed Dellen's dumbass ambition tattoo. And the Hamilton police released a description of Dellen and his said dumbass tattoo. And he was immediately identified thanks to the Peel and Toronto police who told the Hamilton police about Dellen Millard and a tattoo that matched exactly what Igor had told them. Mm Mm-hmm. Dellen is tailed for a bit by investigators while they gather enough evidence to arrest and charge him. They find out that that burner phone is... Sorry, they find out that the burner phone and Dellen's personal cell phone were pinging off the same cell towers at the same time because he's an idiot who My brought his detail. personal cell phone with him <laughs> for this test drive with Tim. So he's arrested for theft and forceful confinement. And while he was in custody, the police learn... Dellen owns multiple properties and has access to others. So the police go to his mother's house where they find Tim's truck inside a trailer parked in her driveway. And then they search his farm and air where they find an incinerator, quote, hidden in the property line. At that point, police sadly confirmed to the public that Tim Bosma was deceased and his remains were burnt beyond recognition in that incinerator. Dylan's theft and forcible confinement charges were upgraded to include first-degree murder. And when we left off last week, I was talking about the nationwide impact of Tim's disappearance and death. There was, you know, candle lighting ceremonies and prayer vigils taking place all over. And people were offering their condolences and sympathies from all over the country. And Charlene, Tim's wife, was holding her own. And continuing to address the media and stay strong for her daughter, despite the living nightmare she was in. And, I mean, Charlene is just amazing. I can't express enough how just awesome she is. And Dyson, last week you had said that she was very, like, resolute. Mm -hmm. And that's such a good word. She was resolute and she was so strong. Yeah, you're welcome. And that's (laughs) where we left off at part one and even that was a fucking mouthful to run down what we had talked about
1: a lot yeah
0: and that's just like bullet points (laughs) (laughs) so god only knows what information i'm gonna throw at you now so uh let's get into (laughs) let's get into part two The way I talked about this case in part one, for the most part, was in the order that the events were unfolding to the public and through the media. So I'm going to continue the timeline, so to speak, mm-hmm. before we get into Dylan. dellen Delon. <laughs> On May 22nd, 2013, over 1,000 thousand people attended a memorial service for tim bosma at carmen's banquet center in hamilton ontario and cable 14 provided live coverage of this and there is a video on youtube still oh cool the banquet hall was packed it was standing room only because so many people showed up to show their support to charlene and tim's family and to remember what an amazing man he was Charlene talked about how Tim was a regular guy who loved his family. She said when they met, they knew immediately that they were meant to be together. And just like every married couple, they had their struggles and their spats. But to her, it all seemed trivial now that he was gone. I have two quotes here from Charlene. The first one is, quote, Right now, I would be so happy to have to pick his dirty socks off the coffee table where he dumped them before falling asleep on the couch while watching the news, or take his dirty dishes from on top of the dishwasher and put them in the dishwasher. Right now, if I had to do those two things that used to drive me crazy, it would make me the happiest woman in the world.
1: It's pretty fucking sad, Brianna.
0: The next quote that she said was... It is difficult to accept that this regular average guy did a regular average thing, which so many do on a daily basis and tragically cost him his life. It is difficult to accept this as true because then it opens up the possibility that it could have been anyone. But for me, it didn't happen to just anyone. It happened to my husband and the father of our child. So those are two quotes that she gave during the memorial that I just thought were very moving and just... Mm-hmm really um, summarize that this was just a a guy. This was a man who had a wife and had a child and it just makes it so like human and real. And I just was like, the quote about the falling asleep on the couch and putting dishes in the dishwasher and stuff. I was like, oh, that is something that every single person can relate to. Mm -hmm. Like in a relationship, both people have little quirks that drive each other crazy yeah and on a normal everyday regular basis it would be like are you fucking getting me again again with this yeah but when you don't have that person anymore because they're taken from you like you would give anything in a heartbeat to be driven crazy by that thing again because that means that person is still there yeah and i was just like oh oh god charlene at the memorial, Tim's friends remembered how fun Tim was, always joking and teasing. One friend said Tim's tough love forced him to seek help for his problems with alcohol. Tim's sister, Michelle, remembers how mischievous Tim was, pestering his sisters and always laughing when they were young. And as they grew up and had families of their own, Tim was just as playful with his nieces and nephews. She said, quote, he would get the kids so riled up. And then with a little smirk, start complaining to us that our kids are too loud. (laughs) And I thought that was so funny, Dyson, because that kind of reminds me of something you would do. (laughs) You would definitely stir shit up and then go, why is it like this?
1: (laughs) Uh, Would you guys get this situation under control?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tim's father-in-law said he was a loving father and husband. Quote, I felt proud of the man down on his hands and knees playing peekaboo. the man with his make-believe giggle when his daughter tickled him under the chin. So Tim was just so sweet. Just fun. And everyone was like, he's such a great man. Yeah. Charlene talked about their daughter saying she resembles a, quote, female image of her daddy, which is both a blessing and a curse to Charlene. And she said, quote, sometimes I look at her and it makes my heart ache because I miss him so much. Hmm. I know this stuff is so sad but Yeah This is Tim's story too And Charlene's story The whole Bosma family story While the memorial was happening Dellen Was locked away in segregation Or solitary confinement whatever you want to call it It's not called that anymore in Canada But
1: Really it's not called solitary confinement
0: Mm -mm. I forget what it's called but it's like, I don't know. It's fucking solitary confinement. But they were <laughs> we like, would we just put a, we slap, slap a crushed coat there. of paint on that. <laughs> so at this time, 2013, it was called segregation or solitary confinement. And uh, this was at Hamilton Wentworth Detention Center. He was confined to a cell on his own with little time among other prisoners. And segregation like this is typically used as a punishment, but it was more as a precaution for Dowling. <laughs> because Tim Bosma's case was well known among everyone at it's this high-profile, yeah, and I mean, even the prison population knew about this case because they still can watch it on TV. Mm-hmm. Then there's also the fact that Dylan was like a rich boy, so he came from a family with money, and that was also known amongst the prisoners. Sorry, I
1: don't know why my brain just went, Dylan was a rich boy. No, 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 no. Oh no, my no, god!
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Dylan. <laughs>
1: Dallin. Sorry.
0: (laughs) And, yeah, so that was also known among the prisoners, which placed him at further risk. So he had to be in solitary confinement. And at one point, prison officials were, like, offering him uh, the chance to be in protective custody. But he turned it down over fears that inmates in uh, Gen Pop would target him, thinking that he was, like, in the diddler wing. Oh, a diddler wing quote that's what he said yeah he was like i will not go into protective custody because don't want people thinking i'm a fucking pedophile yeah so instead he was just in uh solitary confinement so that you know people couldn't harass or hurt him anyway so Dylan's locked up in solitary confinement so police were concentrating all of their efforts on identifying the hoodie guy and anyone else that might be involved in the crime Following a week of surveillance, and right as Tim's memorial ceremony came to an end, police announced that they arrested Hoodie Dude. <laughs> I don't have to call him Hoodie Dude anymore. Yeah. He was 25-year-old Mark Smitch from Oakville, Ontario, and he was one of Dallin's friends and close conspirators. Like Dallin. Mark also had a criminal record, but Mark's was a bit more extensive than Dellen's, but we'll talk about that later. Mark appeared in court the next day, so May 23rd. He was wearing leg shackles, and he looked fucking tired and pissed off. <laughs> he was wearing a loose-fitting brown t-shirt and jeans, and he sat hunched over in the prisoner's box. And when he had to stand, he was slouched, and he had his hands jammed, hands jammed in his pocket.
1: So he's a fucking idiot, because every lawyer in the world would be like, can you just do me a favor and be presentable for this one fucking hour of your goddamn life so you don't go to prison for the rest of your life
0: (laughs) no he could not do that yeah he's basically just like apathetic as shit yeah so mark was formally charged with first degree murder and of course he pled not guilty and was scheduled to appear alongside Dylan for that june 13th video conference court date that we mentioned in part one and Mm -hmm. You said the judge probably wanted to do a video conference because Delon smelled like piss.
1: Yeah. You don't want to have to be in the same room as Piss Boy.
0: I don't know why that's so funny <laughs> <to> me. <laughs> okay,
1: go look at a photo of him. Tell me I'm wrong. He definitely smells like piss.
0: Yes, Yes.
1: Ambitious.
0: Ambition.
1: <laughs> Ambition, sorry.
0: And then the other side... Um, Discipline. (laughs) In part one, we extensively made fun of his tattoos at the end of the episode.
1: Oh, in part two, we're doing it again. Oh, yeah. I'm not letting it go. It's bad. It's, oh, it's just fucking sad. They're lame. If you need the tattoo to be like ambitious, ambition. Ambition. (laughs) Just don't. Just don't. Okay.
0: Okay, good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just...
1: What do you say to that? It's like no rag rats is is better than that shit. I agree.
0: Alongside the police's announcement that Mark Smith had been arrested, they also advised the public that they were still looking for one more person who they believed was driving that SUV that followed Tim's truck as they left for that fatal test drive. I mentioned that in part one. Mm-hmm. That they were like, we're pretty sure there's a third person. Yeah. So they were saying... In part one, I talked about how the police were saying they're sure that it was an SUV that was following Tim's truck, a dark colored SUV, but they had nothing else to go on. But since Dellen had been arrested, they had actually identified the SUV because it was his, it was Dellen's SUV, Mm -hmm. and it was a dark blue GMC Yukon. So this is also that same SUV that the police watched Dellen switch to after he had stashed his red truck while they were surveilling him. And, like right before his arrest. Yeah. And just straight up spoilers there's no third person. Okay. Mark was driving that SUV. Oh, okay. But we will get into how all of that played out down the road. I don't know what part <laughs> in one part of this many part series, but yeah. just so that no one's wondering anymore, like there's not a third person. Yeah so the police might eventually figure that out but in the meantime they're like where's the third <laughs> 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 at the same time really as really
1: ambitious we- of them to think <clears throat> that Dellen had three friends <laughs> or two friends I mean
0: he had a few friends friends used loosely I think people used him but yeah <clears throat> he used them equally it's it
1: just they're just skid mark people eh they're just skid marks of people <laughs> They're not like really, they're just the smear of humanity. Smear. Sh- yeah, and that's not just talking about people from Oakville. Oh
0: my god! Thank you. I've been here
1: all night. We just lost a point zero 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 one percent of our listeners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at the same time as Mark's arrest, police had executed a search warrant at his house. Mm-hmm. Well, not his house. It's his mother's house because he lived with his, his mom. Uh, In Oakville. (laughs) Where now no one's listening. (laughs) So this search was one of 15 conducted so far in their investigation.
1: Mm. That's a fuck ton.
0: I know. I just wanted to mention that. Because I was like fucking 15 search warrants executed. That's a lot.
1: They were just search warrant happy.
0: During this announcement, investigators were asked uh, by the media about the motive behind Tim's murder. Because that's like the one thing that people were really interested in because like we mentioned in part one Dylan and tim no affiliation other mm-hmm. than hey can i come test drive your truck
1: well let me let me just enrage you by saying that i'm confident brianna that they only did it exclusively for the thrill and zero other things outside of that
0: well i understand why you would say that and why other people have said that i suppose but that's just not true. Yeah. But at this point in the investigation, the police don't know. So people are asking, like, what the hell is the reason? Like, why would Dellen do this to Tim? Like, Tim is just a fucking normal guy that wanted to get rid of his truck. Mm-hmm. But they were saying, like, oh, like, we're still trying to determine that one because we don't know. Because so far, it does look like there's no reason other than Dellen is sicko. Mm-hmm. So now we know who we're dealing with.
1: Yeah, piece of shit.
0: (laughs) We've got Dellen Millard and Mark Smitch. They are the two dirtbags that showed up to Tim's house on May 6th to steal his truck and ultimately murder him and dispose of his body in an absolutely heinous way. Because we talked about that in part one. Mm. The incinerator. As I mentioned last week, this episode will focus mainly on Dellen because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this freak. There's he's there's a lot of information and when we did part one i didn't want to come out the gates just swinging talking about him i wanted it to focus more on tim and his family and how that all unfolded that's quite
1: the feat because i mean like i know like absolutely you have to talk about tim and like tim is tim and his wife seem fucking amazing yeah his wife in particular is just like the crux of this story she's just like jesus christ like how are you standing I know. And she is. and she's you. After all this, you're like, she's not going to, she, she's just going to stand there. She's going to be fucking strong as shit, apparently, because she's just made out of fucking concrete. <laughs> but at the same time, listen to this story. And like, for those who may know enough about this story, you just want to go into the like punching bag mode of just ripping into Dellen Because he's just such a, he's got such <laughs> a punchable face, first yep. of all. And he's just such a skid mark of a person. You just want to fucking make fun of this asshole. Mm -hmm. So anyway, good job resisting that urge. I don't (laughs) think I would (laughs) have. But even though you absolutely should.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. So. uh, Yeah, that's what we'll do this episode now. I've finished the timeline of Tim's case, really. Mm -hmm. Um. Part three will be more about Mark Smitch, and then we'll talk more about Dylan as well. But for now, yeah. we are going to flip the script a bit. So, part one included. I've been telling that story, the story from the perspective of the family and what the public saw and all of that. And now we're going to change gears a bit, and we're going to learn more about Dylan, who he is, where he came from, all of that stuff. I'm
1: excited because now we've got, we've got Dylan, we got Smitch, so we've got an episode dedicated to making fun of piss boy and then after that we've got Smitch the prison bitch <laughs> it's perfect i can't i can't wait
0: i also mentioned at the end of part one that there's a lot more details when it comes to the crimes against tim but they were related to Dylan's motivations and movements mm. and it wasn't the time to get into all of that but that time has arrived now so dyson let the roasting begin because i'm gonna tell you all about this whole little bitch brat
1: All right, let's go. Let's do it.
0: Do you like horror movies? Do you like hanging out with your buddy? Do you like cracking jokes and having a good time? Do you just like fun? Well, consider checking out Spoils of Horror. We are an hour-long podcast that comes out every single week.
1: We're not doing reviews. We're just going to hang out, talk about the movies we love
0: with each other, and hopefully the ones you love too. Covering everything from the popular, the lost, the forgotten, and the bizarre. If you're looking for a good podcast and a good time, you're going to want to check us out. We're on all major podcasting platforms, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Check it out. We'll see you there. Welcome to Good Beer Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Killboy Christ! (laughs) Oh, that was pretty good. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top
0: fermented. I f- that up. <laughs> Let me try that again. As we drag Kathleen. Hear me. Kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. Dallin Millard is a Virgo. He was born on August 30th, 1985, in Toronto to his father, Wayne Millard, and mother, Madeline Burns. The name Dellen was in honor of his grandmother, whose name was Del. So they were like, let's do Dellen, because he's the only child. And, I mean, that poor grandmother, because what a fucking (laughs) dishonor that was.
1: Oh, yeah, that fucking sucks.
0: And... That's where, so that's where Dellen comes from, and like friends and people around him just call him Dell as well. And I refuse because that was his grandmother's name, and she did not deserve this as a grandson. Yeah. So Dellen grew up in Toronto. Like I said, he's the only child, and his parents were wealthy. His family is wealthy, and his family is uh, quote steeped in aviation.
1: What the fuck does that even mean?
0: I'll tell you all about it. He's,
1: he's fucking slow brewed and planes.
0: Steeped in aviation. <laughs> I don't know. That's what the articles say. It's yeah. pretentious. It's that's so pretentious. Quote. It's not my words. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally every fucking article you read.
1: <sighs> They're all right now. Steeped writing off in aviation. They all read who wrote something last and then just use the buzzwords.
0: Yeah. So Madeline and Wayne met when they both were working for Air Canada. Madeline was a flight attendant and Wayne was a pilot at both Air Canada and Millard Air. I mentioned Millard Air in part one, but I was like, oh, don't worry. We'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. So Millard Air is an aviation firm that was founded by Wayne's father. So Delon's grandfather and his grandfather is Carl. And he founded Millard Air in 1954. Millard Air was based at Toronto's main airport.
1: Pearson.
0: Yes. Yeah. Pearson International Airport. (laughs) And it had a fleet of 21 airplanes. Millard Air was thriving under Carl's management. This was like his pride and joy. This was everything he was good at and everything that he loved. He was incredibly skilled at anything and everything aviation related. Mm. Carl and his crew did everything at this place they were the ones that loaded the airplanes they did all of the maintenance work they looked after any of the passengers that they had and Carl even invented a way to get racehorses onto the planes which is like a huge feat
1: how did he do it just smush them in there
0: <laughs> yeah he just beat them <laughs> <laughs> no so Robert Seaman who was an aviator I said I was trying to just go over that Yes, his last name is Seaman. (laughs) Robert Seaman is an aviation consultant, and he has been, like, a friend or acquaintance, whatever, of the Millard family forever. (laughs) I said, stop. So, Robert Seaman said, quote, it's very hard. (laughs) I'm sorry. I couldn't help it, Dyson. (laughs) I needed to do that just for you. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. For real though, Robert Seaman said, quote, it's very hard to take a horse on a plane and lead them up to it. So Carl made a series of gently sloping ramps that were enclosed. It was brilliant. Okay. That's how he got resources on the plane.
1: Okay. Yep.
0: I am just adding this in here because it's kind of like a little fun fact uh carl also flew the toronto symphony orchestra on a tour all across canada so that he could bring this like classical music to the remote parts
1: that's really cool i thought that was really neat that's awesome
0: because canada like i mean we live in southern ontario which is like very densely populated but most of canada isn't canada is remote as shit like it's huge and we have like so little people compared to like america which is just as huge but there's so many people Mm -hmm. so like in canada when you have like something like this toronto symphony orchestra they're only going to go to big cities and in canada that's like a handful of places like really where are you going to go yeah toronto ottawa montreal
1: which is like victoria yeah like that's that's where all like the everyone's condensed and then and then the further you get away from those areas like it's just
0: it's so rural. nobody
1: yeah, because it's just so hard to like, you know, when everyone's so spaced out. Like, you know, it's harder to get water up there. It's harder to get internet. It's harder to get. Okay, well, we're just talking just about Toronto
0: Symphony Orchestra here, Dyson. Yeah, you know, okay. <laughs> so anyway. I thought that was cool <laughs> that he that he did that. Millard Air peaked in the nineteen seventies, and Wayne followed his father into the business. So Dellen grew up surrounded by planes, and he would often sit next to his father during flights on a stack of cushions or pillows so that he could see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know why I did this hand gesture. <laughs> Sometimes I'm so happy that there's no video because I'm a mess. And a little T-Rex. Oh, oh. oh, okay. As the planes aged, the family was reluctant to make the huge investment to replace them. So by 1990, when Dellen was about five years old, the passenger flying stopped at Millard Air and the family continued to operate an aircraft servicing and maintenance company out of Pearson instead of like they had like smaller planes. So if they were doing passenger flying, it was like specifically recruited to take that small plane or to take um, people for flying lessons, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So any flying at all had stopped. Okay. Unless it was like just them messing around. Right. And it just switched strictly to servicing and maintenance. As a kid, Dallan attended a private school, the Toronto French Schools, TFS for short. I don't think the fucking guy spoke French though. I don't really know. Yeah,
1: that surprised the <laughs> shit out of me.
0: <laughs> and at TFS, fellow students remembered him as odd. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's bad if you're the odd kid at a French school, at a French immersion school.
0: In <laughs> grades 6 and 7, Dylan went everywhere with his favorite snack, Dyson. What do you think Dylan's favorite snack was?
1: Uh <laughs> Dunkaroos.
0: That's i mean they probably would have made fun of him for that because this is like a private school but oh, wait, wait 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 that's wait, actually like wait, wait. let me a actually get raisins mm-hmm. no nope. prunes no nope.
1: dates Mm-mm. yeah that's fair he probably never had a date in his life <laughs> um oh what's is, what is some other weird shit
0: here i'll just tell you Yeah, all right there's a box of dog treats
1: no, get the fuck out of here. Are you There's serious? There's a box
0: of dog treats. Is he
1: fucking shaggy.
0: This kid was walking around the halls of TFS in grades six and seven. So the, so the, like the mid late nineties where kids were ruthless and he was fucking eating dog treats. And the kids were like, dude, that's disgusting. What are you doing? And Dylan would just shrug them off and be like, they taste good.
1: Oh my God. You know what? Bring back <laughs> bullying.
0: <laughs> no uh, that's not the moral of the story
1: look we were doing a service
0: <laughs> fucking dog treats people were like why are you wow. eating dog treats and he's like they taste good
1: this this kid thought he was just in Scooby Doo
0: oh. <laughs> the worst Scooby Doo ever yeah the other kids at TFS also said that they had no idea that Dylan was from a wealthy family because he quote always looked like a bit of a hillbilly hmm fucking dog treats TFS was an elite private school so most of the kids were from rich families so they were wearing like trendy designer clothes and you know those kind of kids yeah but very Dillon, crappy yeah but Dylan just showed up dressed like a farmer and to top it off Wayne would drop him off at school every day in this like beat up old pickup truck mm. so they were like I don't know we just thought he was a hillbilly <laughs> not really sure why he was here.
1: It's so weird because it's Toronto.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, like,
1: Hillbilly just doesn't, mm-hmm. like, from where?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why everyone was like, he was kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah. And, like, stereotyping is a thing, I guess, in 1990, what if, and if you're in grade 6 or 7, you're, like, 12, 13, so it's, like, 97 Mm. <laughs> people no. were ruthless
1: oh yeah yeah right he, to the jugular
0: he was eating dog treats and he was a hillbilly what do you want from us <laughs> in 1999 on Dylan's 14th birthday he briefly entered the limelight for the first time uh but it was not it was for something you- that was a lot more positive than murder <laughs>
1: he played the spoons
0: yeah 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 he was on a banjo out there in the trails. No, I'm just kidding.
1: I can't even talk shit. My grandfather apparently was a fucking madman on the spoons. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's that's one of the small details I have. Never met him. Madman on the spoons, though.
0: I feel like that's not real. It's real. real.
1: No, that's the actual thing. I have the spoons. Wow. Yeah. I have the spoons and the harmonica.
0: Harmonicas are cool. Where's the guitar Petty. Yeah.
1: It's a miracle I turned out the way I did, and I didn't turn into the Spoon Man.
0: Okay. I mean, Dyson doesn't play the spoons, but, you know, people could equally say some things. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> positive things.
0: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Dylan gets in the limelight on his 14th birthday, and it was because he set a world record for being the youngest person to fly solo in both a rotary wing and a fixed wing plane on the same day. He was only 14, and he uh, alone flew both a Cessna and a helicopter. Okay. So he set a world record for that. All right. The media interest turned his rep from being like this dog treat toting weirdo into being kind of cool because he did some TV interviews and he was in the papers and stuff for this. And Mm -hmm. it's like a, a world record. Yeah. So people were like, you know. It was kind of cool,
1: quirky, but you know he's a trailblazer. You know he's built different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the same dude that gave that hillbilly quote saying like we didn't even know it was from money because they looked like a hillbilly.
1: Yeah.
0: He also said, quote, he was kind of a husky kid and did odd stuff, but when we heard about the newspaper stories, inspired respect.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining a bunch of like fucking. <laughs> fucking like kids from like seventh grade fucking right before they go to school bus starts. they're reading the newspaper and like this kid deserves respect he's ambitious
0: he's oh, got no. ambition oh god <laughs> and, and um yeah he doesn't hold the world record anymore I no. was looking it up to see cause I was like it's 99 like that's a long time ago now mm-hmm. and I I Definitely, somebody else broke the record. I just don't know if that same person still holds it. But um, it's funny because like Dylan's obviously a Canadian, born and raised in Canada, mm-hmm. and it was on his fourteenth birthday because in Canada you can be fourteen and go and fly solo. Yeah. But in the states, for example, you have to be at least sixteen to go solo. Mm-hmm. So it was an American that came to Canada and beat the record (laughs) and
1: bumped Dallin out I don't know why I'm upset by that but I feel like they cheated us
0: yeah but at least it was like (laughs) just Dallin that they beat out
1: yeah yeah that's perfectly fine good to them
0: and maybe someone else has beaten that, that guy yeah not positive though
1: the only one I'm impressed by is that one who was like 13 or 14 or something sailed across the fucking world and I was like that's insane yeah that's wild that's fucking dangerous
0: that is that is fucking thirteen.
1: I think it was like thirteen or something. She Good lord! She was in like a sailboat. She. Yeah, yeah. That was, was. so
0: loud. Oh my god! People <laughs> were like, "Ew." <laughs> it
1: was fucking wild though, because like people forget, like the sea's fucking kind of choppy I'm sometimes, man.
0: Not ever She's about to sail in the sea alone. Yeah, She was like a little sea orphan.
1: Yeah, except for like
0: not stranded.
1: Yeah, you couldn't strand this girl. She just, she's fucking just kicked ass. I don't know.
0: That's sick. Yeah. I'm gonna look into that more.
1: Yeah, I think I saw it on Popular Mechanics or some shit. I don't know. Adorable. Yeah.
0: In the early 2000s, between the ages of 15 to 17, Wayne and Madeline divorced, and Dylan's uncle, so Madeline's brother, his, uh, his name's Robert Burns. He says that he, quote, sporadically took care of Dellen for altruistic reasons.
1: (laughs) What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Who says that? I don't know. The creep says that.
0: It's like, I don't know. Like, it's like something you do because you think it will make you look good. Like... Yeah. Oh, he was going through a hard time. His parents were divorcing. So, like, I took care of him. And it was basically just so, like, I look good and can feel good about doing it, even though I didn't give a fuck about him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucked up. Yeah. It's just cold. Very. Yeah.
0: And he could have been saying that in retrospect, because that is a quote that obviously was given later. So, after Dolan is arrested and all yeah. of that. So, he could have just been saying it, like, to be distant from it but regardless I wouldn't be able to do that. it's a douchey I, thing to yeah. say it doesn't matter like if
1: i if i helped a ki- like if i helped like raise a kid i would never be like i just did for altruistic reasons yeah. i would still be like i'm fucking heartbroken this is what happened and yeah i fucking raised this kid
0: yeah especially cuz like dylan is a monster he's an yeah. absolute piece of shit yeah but he was... 50 to 17 at this point. So, like, it's before anything awful. And he is still like a kid, basically. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, ugh, how about you just don't say anything? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, I feel like people are forgetting that he smelled like piss.
0: He probably did, yeah. Yeah, he smelled like piss. And he piss. was eating dog treats.
1: Yeah. Man, I was so right. Okay. I know. <laughs> just saying. I was right about that.
0: I, yeah. I just have, like, I think Dylan is, is despicable. Yeah. Then when, but, like, you're, like, researching him and reading about him and being a child and, like, setting a world record when you're 14. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, this kid had potential. He was a fucking weirdo that was eating dog treats. Like, that's disgusting. I don't understand why you're doing that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, you're, you're still a kid. Like, you got a chance. You don't have to end up being who you were. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know what he became. But you're like, oh, God, th- this child, like, could have not been that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, he had childlike innocence until he wasn't a child anymore, and then he became piss boy.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, between the ages of 15 to 17, you know, his parents are getting divorced. His uncle's apparently taking care of him for some reason. Really, at this point in his life, so this, like, early 2000s, his mid-teens era, like, there's little known about that part of his life. So we don't know exactly how tumultuous it really was in the family all we know is what Dylan is saying and of course Dylan has said like it was like such a hard time and uh he wrote later for 20 years ever since my parents got divorced i've been surviving one spiritual blow after another
1: you know there's kids out there who don't have parents right you know like and fucking come out of it just absolute gems
0: i was just gonna say yeah it's um m- just over 50 percent of couples get divorced i don't know what percentage of 50 percent of people that get divorced have children but that's a lot of children who have parents that get divorced yeah and they don't end up like dell and Millard. Yeah, yeah so shut the fuck up yeah. it sucks ass when you have parents that are living a tumultuous life and get divorced and whatever yeah. it's hard on children but shut the fuck up Because not everyone turns out to be you.
1: It's not a turn you into a psychopath killer situation. It's not a turn you into a dog treat eating weirdo at the French school (laughs) situation.
0: No, you're just a crybaby. It's
1: just so funny. You can't make this shit up.
0: No, it's insane. Yeah. So as Dylan got older, you know, he shuttles baby fat and he grew tall and (laughs) slender. And he started to sport a mohawk that he dyed bright red or pink. And he got a collection of the lamest tattoos known to man. So that's the man that Dylan grew
1: up into. You know what? The punks didn't deserve this either.
0: No! Ew! No! God
1: damn it. Oh, shout out for losing your baby fat. I was also a husky kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's weird though, because some kids are, like, They'll like um you no know, they don't skinny dip the chunky dunk and then <laughs> oh my God. all of a sudden they hit a growth spurt out of nowhere and you're like whoa yeah
1: yo. my favorite moment was when i think i was probably like 16 or 17 my favorite moment no this is and gonna be good. It's, it's also great and then my mom looks at me and she goes you know all those times i said you'd grow out of it i was just being nice i didn't think you'd actually do it <laughs>
0: That is so. I can picture your mom saying that. Yeah. was like, yeah, the doctors were saying, "Don't worry, he'll get a growth spurt." And no, I was the reason. Thinking like Whoa. The
1: moment I realized, I'm like, "Oh shit, I'm I'm fat." <laughs> was when the I went to the doctors and he put me on the scale and he's like, "Your healthy kid likes to eat." <laughs> <laughs> but he was Scottish.
0: Oh my god. So
1: he says Scottish accent. I can't do a um, Scottish accent. I can't either. But it was beautiful.
0: Scottish accent. I could do Sean Connery though
1: likes to eat okay i can't even do it no don't even lovely try. doctor
0: that's so funny yeah
1: on the scale and everything like the the scale you know the one that oh yeah with the slide i know it well yeah anyway That had husky face it was great i well... never heard chunky dunk but i wish I oh did. really yeah
0: it's like my favorite thing
1: it was fucking funny because
0: i also am a chunky dunker <laughs> i don't skinny dip what up? I'm out here cannonballing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've never heard that. That's funny. No, I've
1: never heard that in my life. I feel like I
0: must have said that. I before. was a lifeguard.
1: I never even heard that. I feel like I've missed a part of my life.
0: Well, I'm happy I was able to give you that live on the pod. Thank you. You're welcome. So yeah, Dylan was right there with you. You know, he's kind of husky. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, had a growth spurt, and he was like tall and look. Yeah, decent, and he went right into his
1: punk face. Same, weird.
0: Ugh. Dylan, Dylan is a different i don't even know no face just they don't this even is who claim, he is. they're not
1: gonna claim him he's he's more than a misfit he's a fucking reject
0: <laughs> yeah so he got that mohawk he always liked to dye it bright red or bright pink and then he got the collection of the lamest tattoos known to man which we won't go into again listen to the end of part one we really we, we dove in there's pictures on instagram so despite having lots of money Uh, Just like when people were calling him a hillbilly, saying that he only wore like weird clothes and looked like a farmer, Mm -hmm. he, as an adult, still chose to wear casual clothes. He liked just straight-up jeans and plaid shirts uh, over like designer brands any day. And he instead put a good portion of his money into buying several properties in the GTA. And in May 2011, he bought a $850,000 100-acre farm an heir that had an old barn but no house so that is the property that we talked about in part one where yeah. um you know the incinerator was found and all that
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah eight hundred fifty thousand dollars for a hundred acres
1: yeah no that made me so depressed and then it all made also made me very depressed to like you know that he was mm-hmm. able to gather that much money initially too cause it's still a lot of money
0: so much money yeah Um, In a later interview, uh, Vera Snyder, she had owned the farm for 45 years. mm -hmm. She said, quote, Dellen drove a hard bargain. Afterwards, we felt a little cheated. Oh. So the Snyders raised hogs on the farm uh, for, like I said, 45 years they owned it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the farm was 100 acres, and it has, like, Bunch of different terrain. There's like swampy sections. It's forested. What year and did you buy it again? 2011. Oh, okay. So, um, like two ish years before uh Tim Bosma's murder. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to put that in, like that quote from Vera in there because that is something that many people will say about Dylan. Not mm-hmm. specifically that he drives a hard bargain and you feel cheated after, but it's just that in that moment when you're with him. You, he is so like manipulative. He's very charming. He initially can be disarming when he's talking to you. He like just stares into your soul mm-hmm. and can really like make you let your guard down and come off like this faceting as being charming.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or you'll be like, "I'm my soul's getting sucked out of my body, and I'm incredibly uncomfortable."
1: Right. Yeah. It's like
0: the. It's one or the other. Whether you
1: are on guard or not. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. Looking back, Vera and her husband were like, he was just so, like, this, like, young man who wanted to buy this property. He seemed so charming, so nice. And we realized after, like, basically kind of got hustled. Yeah. Because a hundred acres in air, so, like, the Waterloo region, it's, like, beautiful, prime territory. Yeah. And it wasn't even a million dollars.
1: Worth se- worth several million now.
0: Yeah. Which is fucking... So that's just crazy. something that a lot of people will say about Dylan is, like so can just kind of worm his way in there yeah and then afterwards you're kind of like wait, what happened <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> you know what is creepy it sounds like he's one of those like people they're they're not a personality they're a mirror oh for sure Like he's a mirror so he doesn't
0: Dylan doesn't because not I, have his own personality yeah i was gonna
1: say like i can't imagine he does so he probably just like reflects what someone he's talking to wants to hear and look like and he's mm-hmm. just being manipulative that way absolutely because like how else are you able to do that and then be friends with schmucks like schmidt Sh-
0: schmitch. schmitch schmitch
1: sorry i got caught in my own alliteration i got gotcha.
0: <laughs> schmucks like schmitch.
1: yeah schmucks like schmitch. oh it's god say that 10 times
0: dylan doesn't give a fuck about anybody except himself so
1: and dog treats
0: and he loves dog treats that's his favorite snacky
1: tell uh, me he didn't own a dog brianna
0: um i think he had a dog on the farm yes Kay. I don't. Right. I'm not really going to talk about any dog, but he definitely had a dog. Yeah, okay. They shared treats together. It was probably mm. very romantic. Oh. Um, yeah, Dellen didn't give a fuck about anybody. Nobody except himself. He did not care who he hurt, who he brought into whatever. It was as long as Dellen is okay and Dellen is getting what he wants, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he can schmooze with people. And then go home and hang out with dirtbags. But it's because at the end of the day, all of these people around him can offer him something and can do something for him. And then he gets this, like, God complex of thinking, like, he's basically surrounded by people who are, like, going to do his bidding. But people are using him just as much as he's using other people. Yeah. But, yeah, he doesn't give a fuck about anybody. Yeah. He's out there looking out for Delon. On May 7th, which is the day after Tim had vanished, Dylan apparently bought a two-bedroom condo in the distillery district of Toronto.
1: Don't tell me.
0: Dyson, how much? So it's May 7th, 2013. Yeah. First of all, that uh, that's the main reason I wanted to put this in here, is that after Tim vanished, this fucking guy is going out and just buying a condo. <sighs> But also, it's the distillery district of Toronto. Oh Will God. you paint a picture of where that is?
1: The distillery district of Toronto is probably fairly fucking lucrative. Is that the... Um, is that, That's not near the Rogers Center, is it? Yes, it is. It is. It was okay, it's... let me put it this way. We put Union Station there.
0: Yes. The it's distillery district is the... It's the epitome of tourism. You got the CN Tower. You got the Rogers Center, which is where the Toronto Blue Jays play. You got Ripley's Aquarium. You got Union Station, Ripley's Aquarium, Steam Whistle Brewery.
1: All the popular pubs. uh,
0: Access to the highway right there. Waterfront is like a five minute walk. Mm -hmm. It is like prime. You you just walk like three blocks. You got Scotiabank Arena. So you go see the Maple Leafs play. You can
1: watch the Jays, the Leafs, the Raps.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: you got all of them. You want, even if you want to watch lacrosse, I'm pretty sure you could go watch it. You're not far from Major League Soccer's, Toronto's Major League Soccer stadium there.
0: It, well, yeah. Like, so it's, it's a little ways district. down, but
1: it's less than 30 minutes.
0: And so this is 2013, and he bought a two-bedroom condo there. How much do you think he bought it for? Oh, I don't
1: want to, this is going to break my heart. It
0: will break your heart. Maybe. It's still expensive, but remember, it's Toronto in the I'm
1: gonna district. I'm going to be conservative and say 900000 Less. No.
0: He bought a two bedroom condo in the Distillery District for six hundred twenty seven thousand. No. Yes. Oh
1: my God! You could get you can now if you try to get a two bedroom <laughs> condo in like the butt fuck nowhere like slum of Toronto. Mm-hmm. It's seven hundred and fifty dollars, thousand dollars. And people would
0: be like, "Whoa."
1: Yeah, what a deal. Oh shit. Yeah, and you gotta share it, like. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Like, oh God.
0: Yeah, I'm selling, but I'm not. I'm not moving out. can i sublet so yeah i wanted to include that for that shock value you just gave but also because he literally just abducted and murdered a man and he's like i think i'm gonna go buy a condo yeah monster despite being from an aviation family dylan didn't really care for it wasn't really into the family business and as an adult he started exploring other career options while I was writing this episode, Dyson, I was telling you that after high school, he pursued some things. And I'm curious if you remember what the three things I told you. Well, technically four.
1: Oh, no, none of it.
0: Really? Okay, so... I,
1: think I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember you saying he was into these things and then it's just there's a blank.
0: You know why? I know why it was a blank. Because it was um, the hard drive in your brain immediately wrote over the things I told you he was doing with what I'm going to tell you.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm both making fun of you and also probably right. Yeah. So after high school, Dylan enrolled in a culinary school. He studied a bit of animation. Oh, he yeah. took some okay. courses to become a makeup artist. Yep. And he got into photography.
1: Yeah, that all fucking <laughs> just reminded me, absolutely. Because I was just like, <laughs> animation makes so much sense like that he would just fucking curve into that and then culinary and then fucking photography and all these like the ones it was just funny to me it struck me that these were things that were like they spark as hobbies first and turn into like passion and career but he was just fucking reaching for all of them I know. Yeah, like, usually you meet someone like... You don't just
0: go into culinary school. You don't just become an animator. You don't just become a makeup artist or a photographer. Those are things that were a hobby as a child, as a teenager, things that you really cared about, were passionate about, and you decided to make an endeavor out of it. Yeah. And he was just, like, (laughs) Yeah,
1: honestly, he was just fly-by-night
0: kind of guy. Right. Yeah. So... The last thing I mentioned was that he had gotten into photography. So he was actually credited on a 2005 aviation themed photo series on Suicide Girls. What
1: This What is that, Brianna? No,
0: I said this what? is not I was joking with you that you forgot all the other endeavors he went on because I started talking about Suicide Girls with you and that overwrote all the information. I don't
1: know what you're talking about <laughs> at all. What is it?
0: What Suicide Girls I said.
1: It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like pin-up girls yeah. for alt-girls. alt, alt girls.
0: Yeah, it's like alternative pin-up girls. So girls, um, especially in this time, 2005, it was like emo girls. It's an aviation so got,
1: like, fanatics That scene magazine.
0: hair, tattoos, lots of piercings, manic panic hair that kind of stuff so yeah
1: um mommy?
0: yeah like the ideal <laughs> pinup girl like i'm here for suicide girls <laughs> yeah so this shoot features a suicide girl let me tell age. you
1: the suicide girls it's got me sweating more than a blind lesbian at a fish market
0: um, why <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> i heard that one today i had to use it
0: <laughs> ew I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I, I wish you didn't use it.
1: I uh, uh, probably got more.
0: No, give it to yourself. <laughs> so the shoot that Dallin was credited for features a suicide girl named Josie. She's posing in a vintage DC 4 plane. The series is titled Cockpit. And the blurb says, quote... Flying first class can have its perks, but I couldn't pass up playing around on this authentic DC-4. I had the whole place to myself, including the cockpit. I just couldn't resist sitting down and trying out the captain seat for myself. Feeling drunk and dizzy with power, I proclaimed myself captain of the great vessel. My first official act as captain was to make the DC-4 a clothing-strictly-prohibited aircraft. All aboard, air Josie. Say hello and tell me all your Mile High Club
1: stories.
0: (laughs) That blurb I had to read because it's funny and because that's Delon.
1: Yeah, that would be.
0: That's no artistic input from Josie. That is 100% everything Dallin wrote. Uh, right down to the feeling drunk and dizzy with power.
1: Yeah, that didn't even fit at all.
0: No. <laughs> and that was probably how he was feeling doing this shoot and how he feels literally any moment he gets to control other people in his life going forward. Mm-hmm. So when I was reading that, I was just like, <laughs> Dallin's words completely. Anyway, that's just a little...
1: A little freak.
0: A little taste of his uh, photography credits i went on suicide girls to find the um photo shoot same <laughs> and you know you apparently have to be a member to see the whole series <sighs> sad so i saw the one photo so i
1: paid for it and
0: dyson <laughs> just don't even mind what you find on your credit card later
1: uh i'm gonna mind now
0: um and it's not credited to dylan anymore it's credited by like a non-staffer or something like that but it's still there So, anyone listening that has a suicide girls uh membership look for josie 2005 aviation themed photo shoot called cockpit (laughs) so dylan did not stick to any of these vocations photography cooking makeup animation none of that but i guess he didn't really have to because in 2006 at the age of 93 carl his grandfather passed away so, when that happened, Wayne, Dellen's dad, took over Millard Air as president. And then 21 year old Dellen became a director.
1: Oh my God.
0: At this point, Wayne shifted the company's focus to airplane maintenance and selling off plane parts.
1: It's selling off plane parts. They're just scrapping shit, eh?
0: Basically, yeah. Because, like, in 1990, mm-hmm. the planes were kind of too old and that's when they had stopped flying and they just uh, strictly moved to servicing and maintenance it makes
1: sense because like this was like before the airliners were really struggling to make profit yeah because like now they are because gas prices are so high so like they're they're in like full swing and if you're kind of like oh i'm just a little guy i understand that let's just pivot
0: yeah they are just this little family-owned operation that's just Basically, working out of space at Pearson. You don't
1: really want to board the family operation airliner to go to somewhere you need to go. You'd rather be on Air Canada.
0: Right. And at this point, it's 2006. They haven't even been doing passenger flying, none of that, for Mm -hmm. like 16 years. So that's why Wayne just shifted it to strictly maintenance if it was needed by people who wanted to use their services and then selling off point parts because they definitely have a bunch of shit just lying around that's probably been accumulated since Carl was the president mm-hmm. and had founded it. And that was like 1954. Yeah. So that was Wayne's focus. We're just gonna do maintenance and sell shit off. As we know, Dallin truly didn't care for the business. He did not give a shit about Milard Air. Mm -hmm. And he might have been a director, but that really didn't mean much. He preferred to hang out with his friends and spend money. He was known to share his wealth, paying for meals at expensive restaurants, and spreading it around freely to his friends.
1: So he's a fucking idiot.
0: Well, yeah. For example, he bought his friends sea and brought them with him to travel in Greece, Alaska, and France. His friends, not the sea Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I actually did think the sea <laughs> As
0: soon as I read it out loud, I was like, kind of sounds like he just lugged the sea around. <laughs> but uh, no, he would buy his friends all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. And then he would bring his friends with him to travel to places like Greece, Alaska, and France. The family home on Maple Gate Court in Etobicoke was where Wayne and Dellen lived. But Dellen, like, he fucking ruled that house. He lived in this house that was backed onto a golf course and had turned it into, like, a customized party pad. And that's just where Dellen and all of his friends would hang out. This house was really nice. It had, like I said, it backed onto a golf course in Etobicoke. And it had a multiple. It always had multiple vehicles parked in the garage. There was an elevator, a pool out back. Inside, there was a large aquarium stocked with fish and turtles. There was multiple TVs, Xboxes, and then there was gaming PCs set up throughout the house so that he and his friends could play Counter Strike.
1: Okay, I mean, on one that sounds like fun. On the other, it sounds fucking exhausting. (laughs) So, well, I mean, if
0: you don't have anything else to do except have fun, then it's ideal. Yeah. Starting in 2007, uh, Dylan would have been 22, and he developed a reputation among high schoolers in Etobicoke. Oh, no. Yeah, he'd deal them weed and MDMA from his black and yellow Stanley toolbox. (laughs) Christ. Number one, put a pin in that toolbox. All right. The black and yellow Stanley toolbox. Number two, you're 22 years old.
1: Yeah, stay away from the high school, you little freak.
0: Yeah, I have a rep yeah like i'm pretty well known with the high schoolers like you're selling kids pot and mdma like woof i don't don't have a 20 bucks
1: on me but i got some dog treats ew fucking weirdo
0: the high schoolers are probably like oh my god he's so cool but like you're dumb as shit when you're in high school yeah he's 22 like gross
1: Even even when i was in high school i'd hear stories like this and i'd be like what a fucking loser Exactly, yeah. exactly. Actually I, I had stories of girls Trying to date 30 year olds and I was like What
0: the fuck <laughs> oh my god I know so many girls like that It's, it's <laughs> <That's me>. Anyway <laughs> <laughs> It's me No I'm just kidding That's no, it's not, not. I mouthed <laughs> <clears throat> No, I was not in high school dating 30 year olds. Yeah. Anyone listening that knows me is like, no, you certainly weren't. No. Nope. Okay, <laughs> 2007, that's when he was a notorious fucking high school drug dealer, lol. 2007 also introduced Andrew Mikelski to Dylan. And Andrew was immediately taken by Dylan's quote, charm and mainly his seemingly endless supply of money and financial resources yeah uh that's saying at one point that being around Dylan just made you feel indestructible because like Dylan would do anything could get a hold of anything and it was just he just felt invincible yeah, he being had around money. someone like him
1: yeah
0: i'm not just bringing up andrew randomly like he's a part of this story throughout mm-hmm. like sporadically so yeah they meet in 2007 and Dylan let Andrew drive some of the cars from his collection, including his, like, Cadillacs and his Camaros. And he would also let him live at his place for weeks on end, rent-free. Wow. So Andrew just has, like, this party pad to just call home. hmm And when they were out at, like, bars or restaurants, Dylan would pay. And Dylan took Andrew and their girlfriends on a vacation to the British Virgin Islands. So, like... You know, you get your perks being Dylan's friend. You have to be Dylan's friend, but then you get to live in his house, rent free, and go it's still on vacation. Not worth it. I agree. Yeah. I'd be like, um, "Are you selling drugs to like a fifteen-year-old? You're kind of a loser." Yeah, dealing drugs to teenagers wasn't enough of an adrenaline rush for Dylan, you know. <laughs> so he started trying other things. Like, he he got into skydiving and he got into uh, off-road racing. Those were Things that he liked to do to spark his adrenaline. By the late 2000s, he and his closest friends started... Oh, no. I'm sorry. This is my favorite part. <laughs> By the late 2000s, he and his friends started thieving. Oh. <laughs> friends like Andrew Mikowski and, other, and another guy, uh, and one of his friends named Matt Hagerman. And these two became Dylan's, like thieving buddies and matt ended up becoming Dellen's driver because remember in part one i told you that Dellen had a suspended license for driving under the influence oh right yeah from october 2012 so at that point matt was like Dellen's driver so he would be his driver while andrew Dellen, and matt are like going thieving
1: yeah <laughs> it's like larping it's so embarrassing
0: <laughs> so the heists yeah I'm doing like air quotes. I think you can hear it in my voice. Yeah. If I go, the heists yep. started small, like taking plants and trees from nurseries for uh, Dylan's garden. So, as time went taking on, plants. they upped the Annie to missions, which entailed a bunch of grown ass men running around in the dark with walkie talkies so they could steal bigger things some of these things include a concrete floor buffer a wood chipper bobcat construction equipment lawnmowers a trailer full of corvette rims and even a harley davidson so they would go on these nighttime missions and they just these are grown-ass men these
1: are grown ass men these are
0: grown-ass men (laughs) in their 20s and they have walkie-talkies in the dark like Clear.
1: Oh, my they're God. They probably had dumb-ass
0: nicknames, too. Pink Mohawk. Go ahead.
1: Piss Boy. Come in, Piss Boy.
0: <laughs> it's so lame.
1: Oh, my it's God. Like that's fucking sad.
0: thieving and heists and missions. Ugh. <laughs> also, yes, that's the kind of shit they would steal. We got the, the witch birds, construction equipment, Harley Davidson. Anything you can think of, they're out here doing missions. Mm-hmm. That motorcycle, the Harley Davidson, was actually stolen right out of the driveway of a Toronto home and was found by the police when they were doing one of their searches of the hangar after Dylan got arrested for Tim's murder. So So that's fucking, that's another fucking charge. Harley Davidson.
1: He would steal a Harley. He would.
0: I know. In 2012... Wayne Millard was in his early 70s and there was talk that Dylan would take over the business once Wayne couldn't run it anymore. As we know, Dylan did not care about the business. And at this point, Wayne was in the process of like, sort of, I don't want to say rebranding Millard Air, but just like changing plans. or Figuring
1: out what it wants to do.
0: Yeah, Yeah. because at that point, prior to Wayne trying to change things... They were still operating out of Pearson and just kind of doing random shit. Yeah. Just scrapping pieces of plane, doing maintenance or servicing when they could and whatever. Mm-hmm. So the plan was that Wayne would shift the business into a fixed based operation in Waterloo instead. Cause there's a Waterloo airport. Right. Yeah. So the plan was that um, Wayne, like Millard Air, Took out this multi-million dollar loan in October 2012. And they built the 50,000 square foot hangar that I've been talking about. Mm-hmm. That They built that in 2012 at that Waterloo airport. And this was Wayne's, surprisingly, he's in his 70s. This is Wayne's first major aviation initiative. So before that, he was kind of just going on the coattails of his father. So Don's grandfather. Mm-hmm. And just doing what he thought he should be doing with the business when it came to like just running it out of Pearson and doing the servicing and whatever. Mm -hmm. But this was like his first sort of original idea to be like, let's change things up. Um, We're going to move everything over to Waterloo Airport, build this huge hangar, and it will be what he called Delon's project. And it was a way to provide Dellen with something to do, but also to build something that would give him a secure future.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So at the helm of the hangar's construction, obviously was Delon. This is a project for you. You need to be a part of this from the beginning, from its inception so that you can run this one day. And there's a quote from the national post article by, uh, Brocklehurst quote, In his role as business development consultant to Millard Air's new Waterloo Airport venture, Al Sheriff was happy to have only limited contact with Dallin Millard, the boss's son and the guy in charge of the hangar construction. As far as Mr. Sheriff and other executives at the company were concerned, Dallin and his red mohawk spelled trouble. I thought he was just a spoiled brat who had his way all his life and didn't appreciate what his father was doing. That's what Al Sheriff said. Mm -hmm. He was an an impediment to the hangar operation, who didn't meet his deadlines, almost never arrived at work before noon, and refused to clear his collection of cars, jeeps, hot rods, jet skis, and personal airplanes from the business premises. I had to put the whole quote in there because I was like, well, "What yeah. the
1: fuck is this guy doing?" Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. That I would have pulled my fucking hair out if I was one of those executives i know i would have been like i am leaving this is so dumb it's like this guy's gonna fucking yeah
0: and it's the and the guy that is being this impediment fucking Dylan, is also the leader of the construction of the hangar Mm -hmm. and the guy you kind of have no choice once in a while but to, to deal with and you're like the executives you're the ones who is like i have potential customers and people that could be fac- like using your facilities, but your construction's not done because you suck as a foreman basically. Mm-hmm. And also you're impossible to deal with. Yeah. So ugh, I needed to put that quote in there because this Al Sheriff guy is just like, fucking sucked dealing with him. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking spoiled brat. Yeah. So in mid-November 2012, Al actually paid a visit to the hangar because uh, he was from like Texas or something. And he's coming to see the progress of it to see if he can start bringing people around to see what they could potentially be investing in or have a partnership in or be a customer of and then Del- Del- got all sassy when he saw al sheriff come in and he is asking him like why there's no contracts in place yet like this is a new business we've put all this money into it and we're not seeing anything as a result of it like why is there no contracts mm-hmm. and al was like no deals will be signed until potential customers have a chance to tour the facility have a chance to come here and all your actual shit is here you're using this as like a personal playground yeah like, i can't bring people here to be a customer and sign off on a deal when it looks like this you and your dumbass mohawk <laughs> so things were getting a little heated cuz Della is sassy Al's probably a little sassy So Dellen suggested that, you know what, they'll just meet later. They'll go to a steakhouse in Toronto for a private dinner meeting and they'll talk it out. So they meet later and Dellen turns on his charm. He starts talking business and he asks about, you know, the value of Millard Air and why his father as the president should continue investing money into this venture that was expensive as fuck. And a lot of people... Kind of failed to understand what the purpose of this hangar was and what, like, the potential, if any, uh, there was. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to be flying or like having passengers or something. So people were kind of struggling with what the hangar was for. It's right. this 50,000 square foot hangar. And that's also what Dylan was trying to get at with Al. Like, mm-hmm. Even the point of this, it's so much money, and for what? And I don't see you helping us get some money in here. Yeah. And that article, the National Post article, uh has another quote from Al and he said, He advised me that the family coffers were running low and that he was very apprehensive to keep pouring money into the facility. I went over all the contracts that were in negotiations and the potential for 2013. We parted ways pleasantly. Mm-hmm. So it's like Dylan wanted to meet with him to see what Al had in place. Is there going to be customers or do you have a lot of stuff lined up? Will we be making a lot of money? Like what exactly is going on here? Because I am a director and I do have a part in building the facility, but my dad is still the president. Mm -hmm. So, like, he kind of goes out for dinner with this guy and can, like, spin it how he wants to and pull information out of him. Right. Once the hangar was finished, it never had the chance to bring in any revenue for the company. With the main reason being, on November 29th, 2012, less than two weeks after Dylan and Al went out for their steakhouse dinner... Wayne was found dead in his Etobicoke home with a gunshot wound through his eye, having apparently taken his own life. Yeah, apparently. So this is the house that Dellen also lived at. That was basically like a party pad. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's basically Delon's house. Yeah. So uh just kind of put a pin in Wayne's death as well put a pin in that put a pin in the toolbox put a pin in, and, and a lot of stuff i'm telling you, because yeah. it all circles back yeah and we'll also talk about wayne in another part to learn more about him but um dylan's out here being a little weasel getting information about potential investors and worrying about the money going into this hangar. and then uh-oh his dad is gone yeah Another reason that the hangar didn't bring in any revenue is because, with Wayne gone, Dellen became the CEO of Ballard Air, and with him in charge, the hangar was never actually used for aircraft business. It was a place for Dellen to store his vehicles, obviously. That was one of the main problems that investors were having with him. Yeah. But it was also a place for him to start hiding all of his stolen property from his missions.
1: What a fucking nightmare. Oh, I know. God. Like, why the fuck are you even doing this, you are making money as a CEO if you just fucking do it. No, he doesn't. But he's a little piss yeah, weasel. He's just... He's fucking thieving.
0: <laughs> he's doing missions. He's
1: doing missions.
0: So also within days of his father's death, he... Uh, most of the Millard Air employees were laid off mm-hmm. with a select few staying on, but for the most part he was like, goodbye, we don't need you because I'm not fucking doing anything. Yeah. And Dylan even cancelled the company's Transport Canada cert- certification, which was necessary for Millard Air to operate at Waterloo Airport uh, the way that it was supposed to with potential clients and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you cancelled like the one thing that was intended to to, to be there yeah. to make sure it was a reliable business. Yeah, he even met with Robert Seaman, that aviation consultant. Yeah, to talk about potentially selling the hangar in Waterloo, like. He is making it so evident that he does not want anything to do with the family business. He's
1: dismantling it as he goes, though.
0: His dad's been dead for, like, a couple weeks,
1: yeah. and he's
0: already, like, essentially um, trying to, like, liquidate assets. Just, yeah. like, what can I just take apart, get rid of so that I can have some cash? And there's been speculation that Dellen was property rich, but cash poor. Okay which is one of the reasons that he was, like, stealing shit. Mm-hmm. Like, the main reason that he was stealing shit is just because he's a freak that likes it. It's yeah. fun to him. Yeah, yeah. But he also had to kind of do these missions to have stuff to sell for cash.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why the, like, missions ended up becoming more high-risk instead of just, like, the fun little thieving things <sighs> that they were doing of, like, let's steal some plants and, like, just be little dicks about it. Yeah. It started to really like they were stealing from like the city of Oakville and like city of Toronto and stuff, like big pieces of equipment. Yeah. So obviously when you do that, you got more stuff to sell for cash.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And for those missions, people like Andrew mikelski and Matt Hagerman, his friends, were two of the Prince of Thieves trusted mission oh, buddies. God. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. You can't get any fucking lamer.
0: <laughs> I'm dead serious. The There's Prince
1: of Thieves.
0: Dellen called himself the Prince of Thieves. Multiple <sighs> times, Dellen called himself the Prince of Thieves. Shit like this
1: is why he was in solitary. Right. Yeah.
0: So, he had Andrew Mikowski and Matt Hangerman, two of his friends, to be his trusted mission buddy, but Mark Smitsch would become Dellen's most trusted partner in crime. But I think that's a good spot to end it for this week. Okay.
1: <laughs> Before you overload me with all this bullshit, this guy was up to.
0: Yeah, you. You seem really antsy right now.
1: I. <laughs> Wait, I can't stand him. He's just. uh he's just a fucking loser.
0: It's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not even all I have to tell you about Dylan. Oh. But. That's just where we'll end it because I've told you a lot. Mm. So, um yeah, we'll be back next week with part three, which is where we will. I've ended it right there with Mark Smitch because when we pick up next week, we'll talk about Mark Smitch. We will continue learning about the fuckery that is Dylan Millard, mm-hmm. and just there's just so much more. Yeah. To see photos related to this case and all the cases we cover. You can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. To see our sources, buy us a coffee or check out our merch, you can visit our website darkadaptationpodcast.ca. Thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you for, we'll catch you for part three next week. Bye. The uh, last thing I mentioned there was that he got into photography mm-hmm. and this is why I was joking. Yeah.